Hello, everyone. Welcome along to the first Elite Town Supporters Trust podcast of 2023. Those that listened to the last podcast will know that you've got a different host. I'm back uh, in position. I thank James for holding the fort for me. He did an absolutely perfect job. And uh, well done, mate. You sure you don't want to host this one, James? I just want someone to clip up that. He's done an absolutely perfect job. We'll have that. We'll yeah, we'll have that somewhere, won't we? Actually, now that you uh, mention <laughs> it. Uh, Joining me on this podcast then, James, as I've just mentioned, we've got uh, Trust Chairman Tony Murray, we've got Dan uh, Barrett-Davis, who's been with us all season, and we've got the voice of Luton Town, apart from when he didn't fancy the QPR game, Simon <laughs> Pitts, only joking, he was unwell, uh, I can vouch for him for that. Gents, Happy New Year, hope you're all well. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year, everyone. Well done, so, yeah. uh, miserable James, for wishing a happy new year, even though uh, you came onto this chat and said, <laughs> I hate 2023. Um, <laughs> I did, uh, I did. For the record, football's good and everything else is rubbish. Which we'll, thankfully, we're going to concentrate on the football. I hope everyone listening had a good Christmas. Nine points over Christmas, I'm sure, helped um, the matter and we wish you all happy new year. Coming up on this first part of the podcast, then, we will react to Rob Edwards' first month in charge on the pitch. We'll go through all of the matches that he's um, overseen in that time. We'll have a couple of player focuses, which this month is going to be Alfie Doughty and Louis Watson. And we will finish off with, I'll get the boys' uh, reflections on 2022. And they'll all pick out a favourite moment from the year for us. Uh, Let's start then, James, with Rob Edwards. Um, I did an interview for the last podcast. I couldn't be here to host, but I did manage to catch up with the new boss for half an hour. He promised me a change in style. He promised me it would be slow, steady, but we would eventually get there. But five games in, it must be ahead of schedule because there is a clear difference between the style of Luton pre-Rob Edwards and now. Yeah, and it's looking good, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I, I thought the I thought the one thing that probably couldn't be replicated would be the you know the relationship between Jones and the fans, and even that seems to have gone. Uh, fantastically, very swimmingly this month. I mean, they've got a song for him already. He's pumping his fists at the end of games when he wins. And it seems like, uh, you know, so far at least, it just seems like everything's gone perfectly. I, I was going to say that they've got an upgrade then. I think it's too early to suggest that really at the moment. And that I don't want to, I don't like this hindsight revisionism that suggests that Nathan Jones was a duffer in any way. He wasn't. He's one of the most successful Luton Town managers of all time really um but yeah there's you can definitely see that there's more use of the midfield the um i mean and nathan coined the term game changers didn't he but it's uh, game changers on steroids right Edwards, because they come on and they score winners in the last <laughs> few minutes so um that's working really well the sort of bold positivity of those changes as well you know if you look at the norwich game down to 10 men take off a more defensively minded player and put on an attacker and he goes and wins the game with his first game for the club. So, you know, I, I, I think it probably is still early to tell, but if you take that, the fact that Luton struggled to win three, do well in a three game week and they've won three games on the spin in the league. Um, you know, if you take the, um, the FA Cup game out of it, uh, Wigan, then uh, yeah, everything's looking great back up into contention for the playoffs uh, when perhaps people were starting to maybe look over their shoulders. I think it's probably a bit ridiculous they were, but I'd saw some comments where people were looking 
over their shoulders and down the league, but it's it's looking up again. Yeah, it really is. I mean, Tony, all season long, we've um, dated back to that brilliant time under David Cleet, where the town played excellent football, flowing football, fluent football. And there's signs that we're going to be doing that again here, isn't there? The ball is, is, we're very much comfortable with the ball already under Rob Edwards, which wasn't always the case under Nathan, was it? More Under Nathan, it was more work hard, press high and work without the ball. But under Edwards, it certainly seems to be a transition towards the football is our friend. Yeah, definitely. Um, still a long way to go to to match the height to that David Tweet side. But um, no, the signs are, are encouraging. Um, he said he was going to tweak things here and there. He seems to have done that. Um, you know, and, and James has touched on it already, you know, with, with, with the substitutions. It seems to be more with a view to trying to win the game rather than protect what we have. Um and uh, it 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 looks good. It looks encouraging. I I like the way he's setting the teams out. I like the way we're still playing out from the back. Um, more of a possession pace based game. Um, and it, it the players seem to be enjoying it too. Um, you know, it it it, it looks good. It's it's very promising, and uh, I've I like what I've seen so far. Yeah, Dan, I think that's uh, a key thing, isn't it? Uh, the, well, I mean, James mentioned it as well. The relationship with the fans. I mean, obviously, you know, when you guys spoke about it, when he joined in the last podcast, we couldn't really ignore the fact where he's come from. None of us were particularly bothered. But had he have gone on a losing run, he'd obviously been a Watford reject, wouldn't he? But pretty, <laughs> pretty quickly, you know, fans have warmed to him. Obviously, he helped himself by coming across the pitch and clapping the fans for a for a good deal, yeah. three, four, five minutes after the Middlesbrough mm. game while we're all freezing our nuts off. And um, from there, it's just gone, it's kind of snowballed further and further. And I think the the three wins in particular, the football that we've played, everyone can see that whilst it's early days, there is definite progress. I think so, yeah. Um, like you say, coming from that lot down the road, you're always a bit sceptical as to what we're going to get. But in his defence there, he had a pretty good record there, as he did with Forest Green. And he was well respected at, um, in the England youth setup as well. Um, so I don't think there was any doubt we were getting a good coach. It was whether that could then translate um, into for, for us as well. And like you say, early days, it's been brilliant. Um, we had a great relationship with Nathan Jones and we've got as good with Rob Edwards already. You know, he's. I, I, th- I think the key thing you have to do when you're a manager of a side, I think, is to get the fans on side. And how do you do that? Well, you try and get them going. And Nathan had his fist pumping and chest pumping, which didn't sit well with people when he did it at Stoke afterwards and then come back. Rob, Rob Edwards has just come from down the road. I don't know whether he done it down there. I don't know, don't care, but he's, he's doing it for us. And early signs are, it's, you know, like the lads were saying, we're playing good football, good positive football. Um, we seem a bit more gutsy. And... You can see, you can see it looking at Rob Edwards when he's walking around. That he genuinely cares, you know, and he's really you know, trying to take Luton to the next step. You know, dare I say it? You know, that's what he's trying to do, and um, it's looking at good signs that we can do that. You know, the football's good to watch. We're getting results. Who's t- who's going to complain? <laughs> Oh, there'll be someone. Don't you worry about that. There'll oh, well, this is Luton, isn't it? There always is. There always is. <laughs> there, will be, there will be someone, that's for sure. Uh, Simon, on that interview you sat in when I did it um, with him, he was kind of, 
he didn't really want to um, discuss what happened sort of down the road. But it's pretty clear and obvious from all the sort of mannerisms, interviews and everything that he's a fired up man with a point to prove. And we're the ones that's going to benefit from that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, you know, as Dan said, he got great respect at Forest Green and, you know, he achieved the success there. And, you know, he just wasn't given the time. And who is at the club down the road? So, you know... he, he just wasn't able to get settled in and, and to do what he was capable of doing and to show that he can do it um, with a team that's performing well already. And he just carried that on, um, you know, and he's improved. I mean, as as the guys were talking now, just looking at the stats and, you know, it, it is a remarkable difference. Four goals in the seven games before Rob Edwards, eight goals in the four since, um, you know, league games. Um, By seven different scorers as well. It's not yeah, pigeonholed just yeah. one or two no. players. Well, that's it. The, f- the four goals in the previous games, two were Morris and two were Berry. Um, and, you know, suddenly we've got Clark, Campbell, Woodrow, Doughty, Bell, Burke. I mean, Reese Burke, I know we're going to talk about games in a minute, but Reese Burke, what on earth was he doing being the furthest man forward at Huddersfield, you know? But that shows <laughs> that shows that he's been given that licence and he's got that opportunity to do that. Um, and, yeah, it, the fact that we've got goal scorers from all over the pitch, they've, they've clearly got a slightly different way of playing but that's not taken anything away from the way that they were playing under Nathan because we were, we've been achieving great success in the years that he's been in charge. Um, but you know, the, the Rob's come in and he's, he's very similar in some ways, but he's also clearly got some differences in other ways, but both are working well. And yeah, it's been very positive, you know, it disappointing. We didn't get the cut result um, in the, you know, and then we've got to go to a replay, but Again, the football, the passing, the determination, the effort from everybody was clear clear to see. Um, and, you know, Rob's coming across really well in the interviews and the way he's speaking. And, you know, I think it's really important that, to focus on the fact that he always talks about us as a, as a management team, the three of them, um, you know, with Richie and Paul as well alongside him. It's never I've come in to do this or I'm doing that. It's always we've been welcomed or we're doing this um, or it's been great for us. And and I think that tells you something as well. Yeah, there is a togetherness. Although, I mean, you only have to look at the Corley Woodrow uh, winner against Norwich. Everyone yeah. to a man. It's kind of like the Bournemouth goal, wasn't it? Everyone to a man over to the dugout. And I'm sure we're going to reference that goal uh, later in uh, this part of the podcast as well. James, the thing that you picked out from that interview, I did listen back to the podcast that you did that I was missing on. And you put uh, you picked out the the, the absolutely perfect podcast. That that, yeah, that's the one. You, um, picked, <laughs> you picked out that. Um, I that I pushed him on the fact that when we go behind, we collapse. And he answered honestly. He gave me the proper answer. And lo and behold, two away games into his reign, we've gone behind. We've turned a game round, and we've won a game of football. <coughs> and, uh, I always think a football team mirrors it, the image of its manager and. Things kind of got chaotic under Nathan. He was a chaotic kind of guy on the sideline. Edward's a lot calmer, a lot more patient. And we're seeing that with the play. Yeah, I mean, those those particular records that you mentioned were beyond frustrating, weren't they? Because the minute a, a goal went in first against Luton on the road, you could almost count it as defeat. I rarely got anything from it. It was that long ago. Um, I think I worked it out as as uh, something quite shocking, and then you worked it out it was something even longer with with fans in the ground. Um, it was a remarkable record. It was either sort of one nil away or 
they conceded first, and then you may as well have packed up and done them. Yeah, it's just it was so to do that um, in a short time already, and not only that to to um, to go up to QPR as well and and win there, uh, which hadn't happened for thirty eight years, I think, which is another remarkable record, but. you know, those sorts of things breed confidence and they also enhance that relationship status that seems to be blossoming already. Um, you, you've got to say long may it continue. Just on the Nathan there, I've seen a lot of, um, on social media, people like taking reveling in his situation in Southampton. I don't quite get that because yeah. it's been clearly stated that if he keeps them up, there's a in quotes, Brucey bonus in it for Luton. So you'd want him to be doing really well. So I don't really get that so much, but, and, and particularly the way Luton have been playing, it's like, we'll just leave that part, put that over there. It just doesn't concern us anymore. What's happening in the Premier League will hopefully be Luton's, uh, <clears throat> on Luton's plate next season or season after, who knows, but we don't have to worry about that at the moment. Everything's going so swimmingly at Luton, you'd think people would just want to focus on on what Rob Edwards is doing at the moment because it's um, it's been yeah it's been remarkable really isn't it I think it's hyperbole to say that um, and you just wonder how beneficial that World Cup break was because you can have managers leave for a variety of reasons but if you're doing well and the manager gets headhunted then it can kind of like suck the life out of you a bit and then it's a bit on a knife edge as to which way it goes but it's obviously got the players on board they went away to Dubai and uh, it's worked it's worked the treat really so let's just hope that that continues to be fair if someone took me away to work in Dubai I'd probably come back and perform pretty well as well so you know master straight from uh, from all involved really um, Tony <laughs> everyone's mentioned it already and quite rightly so the substitutions game changers whatever they're christened these days they're a lot more positive aren't they I mean <clears throat> I'm not I'm not going to be on this podcast slating Nathan Jones or anything like that, but an awful lot of his substitutions were taking off like and bringing like on. It's not the case with this guy, you know, defensive midfielder went off at Huddersfield for a striker. James referenced the um, substitution that won the game against Norwich. Even on Saturday, there were progressive substitutions. There's a clear bravery and intent within the substitutions that he makes to go out and either turn a draw into a win or turn a winning position into a further winning position just to enhance the game. Yeah, um, you, you do see that. Uh, as, as I said earlier, it, it, it seems to be a, a change from, um, well, let's go and see what we can get rather than let's hold on to what we've got. I mean, you've only got to look at um, the differences in, in the in the two games we've played at home against Wigan. Um you know, the first game, Nathan changed the complete midfield, all three, and we ended up losing because it completely disrupted the team. Whereas on Saturday, any changes that Rob made were, were looking to win the game. And I think overall, we, we're, we're playing a lot better with a lot more intent. Um, but I think with Saturday, it, it, it's not always going to work for us. But I, I, one thing I've noticed already, particularly with myself, is uh, when we played away from home with Nathan, I was expecting, this, you know, it'd be great if we come away with a point. Now, uh, an away game, I'm thinking, you know, uh, I'm, I'm expecting at least a point. Um, you know, and I, and I think 
it, it, the early signs are really promising. It looks like uh, Rob Edwards and Luton Town are a really good fit for each other. It really does. Hopefully it's not just a honeymoon period. I don't mm. think it is. I've not got that impression that it is. I think it is a genuine uh, thing that's going to improve and grow and grow and grow. Um, Dan, it was referenced by Simon, the amount of goals that we scored in these four games under Rob Edwards, but also four of the eight goals were from outside the box, whereas previously there was sort of an intent to get it as far into the box as you possibly can and then you can shoot. Clearly here, if you see the whites of the goalposts, you put your foot through it. Yeah, and I, I think I've longed for someone who can shoot from the edge of the box for a long time rather than just trying to walk it in all the time or play it in the box, which I've, I've got no problem with either. I mean, to be to call it an old phrase, don't care how it goes in as long as it does. Um but I do, I do like that it's a little bit more varied now, and people are starting to have a go and have, be a bit gutsy. And I, I think it lifts the crowd as well because I think if you get a couple of early shots in on goal, whether it be from twenty yards out or whatever, just narrowly misses the post or whatever, people have, uh, you know, the crowd are going to start getting behind you even more. I think. Whereas if I, again, I'm not, I'm not going to slate Nathan, but a lot of the time it was possession based and you know keep keep the ball the whole time. Um, not necessarily create too many chances. Um, whereas Rob Edwards seems to think, well, let's, let's go for it. What we've got to lose? Start well and finish well. If you see the goal, have a pop. If you miss, try and hit, hit the target next time. And I think that's really encouraging from a supporter's perspective to see that. It really is. And Simon, as well as coming from behind to win a game away from home in front of a crowd for the first time since Oxford when we won League One, mm-hmm. um, it's very rare that Luton Town win a game of football with most possession in the game as well. Usually our wins are with sort of circa 40 to 45% possession, but we were up at 60% in the first half of Huddersfield, 55 overall. It's kind of, the, the numbers are actually just telling us exactly what we're seeing with our eyes. There is a clear change in approach. Yeah, indeed. And, you know, there, there's been a couple of games where we've had higher possession and we've won, but yeah, the Huddersfield one particularly was was quite dominant, for especially for an away game. Um, but then somebody quoted some possession stats to me the other day about, I think it was the Middlesbrough game where they had like 60 odd possession, present possession. And I pointed out, yeah, but 50% of that was stuck in their final third, passing it around at the back. So that shows that we were putting the pressure on in that area of the field, that that's where they were keeping the ball. So yeah, there's, there's a lot about possession, but you know, it, it's not the be all and end all. It's goals that count at the end of the day. But yeah, it was good to see that we, when we can control the game and we can keep possession in the right areas of the field, as opposed to having a lot of possession in your own defensive quarter third, then that's very different, isn't it? But yeah, certainly, as you've said, it, it's been clear that there have been little tweaks um, behind the scenes to how the, the players out there are, are putting the the performance in as to what they're they're expected to do. Um, but there are, as we said earlier, there are still some things that are very clearly just continuation of the good work that's been done before. So it's it's a really good mix at the moment. And, you know, with players coming on the score sheet, you know, Cornick, we obviously scoring his first of the season. And it's things like that that just give it all the players a little boost, isn't it? Just to keep them ticking along and, and pushing them on. And competition for places. You've yeah. got to score now. If you don't score, someone's waiting to come on and score and that's exactly where we want to be and the great thing about this Rob Edwards start is this is five games and there's been a clear improvement that we've all seen so who knows what we're going to be like five months down the road but hopefully it's going to be an enjoyable ride um, to see it it didn't start off brilliantly though James Um, he had the World Cup break uh, 
we came back. I mean, if they'd gone to Dubai for training, they didn't bring the weather back with them, did they? Because it was fucking freezing at Middlesbrough that <laughs> afternoon. Um, yeah. We've probably frozen in the second half ourselves a little bit, actually. But the first half, really, really promising. Uh, we started like a house on fire, got in front. Brilliant um, move from Jordan Clark. Got the ball, got the free kick taken. One, two of Carlton Morris, whose link-up play under Rob Edwards is a joy to behold and a complete difference to how he was um, utilised by Nathan Jones. Fired into the bottom corner, almost perfect start. Yeah, almost, but then uh, got sent off, didn't he? Gave Osho. So, um, Amari Bell in that one. Let's, I'm uh, sorry, yeah, Amari Bell. Amari yeah. Bell He's I'll... been sent off so much, Gabe Osho. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he has not not entirely all his fault. Uh, um, we'll come on to sending off in a moment. Like yeah. Spoiler alert for later in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, it was a nice sending off because the first yellow card that Amari Bell gets at Middlesbrough, the bloke falls over the football. I mean, mm. to be fair, that grass must have been bloody warm because he was laying on that grass all afternoon. That number two, he could not wait to hit the grass. So um, they must have had the undersaw heating on red hot. That's all I can think of. Um, but yeah, it, it, it did kind of, and, and actually that sending off was significant because, I mean, I think we all watched the Middlesbrough game or we were there or, or, or watched. I don't think anyone saw Middlesbrough scoring until he went. And that was the disappointing thing. You look at what they've done since. Mm. They're absolutely on fire. That'd have been a really good point if we'd got that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the results that have come since are sort of, almost wiped it from the memory banks. It was, you know, you can't sometimes legislate for a, a last-minute winner in that way when you're down a man um, and it's, you know, the first game to win a manager. I don't think anybody... I think the good thing was nobody was, you know, um, having a go uh, at, at what happened. It's sometimes you just got to accept that that's football. Um, but it's turned out all right sentiment. It hasn't been too bad, yeah. If anyone knows what the free kick was given for, for their winning goal at Middlesbrough, I'm all is, uh, because I haven't got Scooby-Doo. Uh, it shouldn't have been given. Osho should have had a foul on him when the free kick came over, but for some reason he got up, even though he got absolutely ploughed into his head. Uh, well, before before they scored the winner, Kev, it, it, it looked like a blatant foul on Pelly, didn't it? That wasn't given. That's, how, that's exactly how I saw it, and... Um, mm. Obviously, with Amari Bell sending off, Alfie Doughty's got cramp, and for some reason, he's gone off the pitch and let them take the throw in. And obviously, it's Alfie Doughty's man that Bell's ploughed into, and the rest is history. So we could probably learn a few lessons from that sending off. It'd just be nastier if if Gabe Oshel had stayed down when he got ploughed into with an elbow. I'm pretty sure the referee, <laughs> even Gavin Ward, as useless as he is, would have had to have stopped to play. But it, it is what it is, as. Um, as James said, but it was much better afterwards. So thankfully the Millwall game was uh, postponed because uh, my deathbed was um, calling me that weekend. And mm. we went through to um, Boxing Day. Uh, shitty kickoff time, but to be fair, really good crowd. Good game of football. Uh, really good game of football and a perfect ending. But before we get to the ending, good goal from Alan Campbell to start things off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It... it, it... He's a terrier, always has been since he joined the club, and, and that's how it came about. You know, it was basically a mistake by Norwich. Um, Alan, you know, getting in there amongst them and, and hit it, and it, 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 was, it was perfect. It was a great goal, and, uh, you know, he set us off on the right, the right track. 
uh, great performance and uh, really good to uh, get a double over a, a side that's just been relegated from the Premier League. Yeah, really was. They equalised. Not Corley sure. Woodrow, yeah, Corley Woodrow. Um, I'm so pleased for him coming back off injury and scoring a cracking goal as well. You know, the, the, the way he took the ball and he, he, he made space to be past the defender and then hit it in the one spot where the keeper couldn't get to it. It was a cracking goal. Absolutely cracking goal. You know, There's a lot of illness in this. There's a lot of illness in this chat, and I reckon I'm ill because I've got the Southampton Man City game on in the background, and Southampton have just gone two 0 up. And uh, yeah, I've, I've got I've, it on as well. well, and, and, well yeah, yeah, so maybe maybe I've got something wrong with me now. It's, uh, it's a very very mm. weird situation. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right, Crawley Woodrow. The first touch. Oh my god! I mean, when the bloke's mm. been out for three months, so that was basically his first touch of the ball to set it like that, and then to absolutely hammer it home in the way that he did. Absolute fair play, and he's going to thrive under Rob Edwards. I'm absolutely certain of that. Uh, well, what about Rob, who is throwing? Rob rates him, doesn't he? Rob rates him. And, yeah, I'm uh, surprised. You know, I mean, he's as it, technically it, good a footballer as we've had for a long time, I think, personally. Um, he's yeah, going to play him as a number 10. Well, he, yeah. he didn't play him as a number 10 then, to be fair. No, he, he did utilise him as that on Saturday, yeah, we must admit. Um, one man he, was, he seems to think that he doesn't mind playing that himself, doesn't he, Woodrow? So, you never know. Uh, to be fair, if, as long as you're on the pitch, you ain't going to be playing goal, wouldn't you? If, uh, well, Saturday he was playing left wing, wasn't he, in the second half? There was, yeah, there was an interesting tactical thing. I'll we'll come on to that mm. when, we, uh, when we do the wing game. But one man who is on fire, Dan, is Carlton Morris. And if you want a man on fire, you want a man on fire at Loftus Road because obviously our record, as James alluded to earlier down there, it's worse than shit. But thankfully, it's a little bit better now <laughs> because of, well, because of Carlton Morris. Uh, he scored the first two goals and thought, you know what, I'll let someone else score a third one. But before we come on to that third one, which is a special goal in itself, Doughty's run for the first one, sets him up through the legs, absolutely brilliant finish. And then the second one, I mean, that's a striker's goal in it. Every striker wants five of them a season. Yeah, too, right. And uh, if anybody's going to put them away, two chances like that, Carl Morris is going to do it. When when he's on fire, there isn't many players better. Um, I think that he's, he already said when him and Elijah are playing, he wouldn't want to be a defender. And I love the confidence in, in there. It's, 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 it's a bit arrogant, but you want your players to be arrogant a little bit because that shows that they, they care and they, that they want to do the best for the team. And I think... You know, Carlton, I think he had a pretty slow start at the start of the season when we first got him. Um, slowly started becoming the player we know he can be. And and just lately, I think, especially since Edwards has come in, I think he's, he's turned it on. And QPR was a prime example of how to be a striker, how to be a target man and how to utilise all your strengths, really. I mean, he, he can hold the ball up, bring others in. He can head the ball on, he can put other people in and he can finish as well. And he, it was just the Carlton Morris show, wasn't it? It was just absolutely perfect. And like you say, what better place to do it than at Loftus Road and to clinch the double over QPR. And I'd love to know when the last time we did that was because that was just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. 84-85, wasn't it? Was it, was it 84-85? Yeah. Before I was born, so... That's how long ago that was. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Absolutely. Very long time. Yeah, there is a better place for him to do it, but unfortunately he hasn't done that and we'll have to wait till 
another season for him to do that. But yeah, second best place, absolutely. And then, of course, came the absolute, well, I mean, if the first two goals were the cake, the icing and the cherry on top, which is lovely, wasn't it? Because oh, I mean, to be fair to Morris, Doughty's pinged that ball into him at an absolute rate of knots. How he has controlled that and diverted it back to him perfectly, I've absolutely no idea. But then no. it was just, just hit it, Sam. Just hit it. Yeah. Oh, my God, did he hit it. Oh, didn't he just? No, I'll just go back to that, um, Morris, though. The way he held off the defender at the same time, I thought was just phenomenal, you know, to to do all that. And that's, that's what I mean about using your strength, you know, being able to hold people up, what hold their defender off whilst bringing someone else into it. And it, it was literally all doubt he had to do was just catch it. And boy, didn't he? It was just goal, to, goal contender, goal of the season contender easily, I think. It was absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Really was. Yeah, there's, there's the goal oh, of the season this year is probably going to be probably the closest race that there's <sighs> been because there's four oh, five absolute belters for everyone to choose from. When it is. They've all happened this month as well. I say December's yeah. a month for goals, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Goals, it's a, like a competition in itself, isn't it? But you know, then you've got the Burke one from against Blackburn, you've got the Lansbury one against um, oh. Ireland, you've probably got a couple of others that worthy of mention that. Um, you know, I'm not going to do justice to, but uh, I, I suppose another um, goal that, um, given its importance, Simon, particularly given that we've fallen behind to Huddersfield, in a strange twist of fate, we didn't actually score for them like we did down here. But um, Amari Bell's goal, it was really important because of the timing of it. Um, interesting comment on the BBC's website, actually, for that goal. Uh, Amari Bell hit the back of the net. I don't know which net he hit the back of because no <laughs> ball hit the back of a net. <laughs> But thankfully, it went over the goal line. That's the main thing. Yeah, it did. And I think I was saying in commentary, I think that's the first time where a goal has been awarded that wouldn't have been otherwise because of goal line technology for Luton. So all the years we've been in the championship, um, there was one at Kenilworth Road where I think uh, Gabe Osho followed up and put it in, but the ref gave it to Alan Campbell. I think he'd had the initial um, one cross the line. But this is the first time where the technology has given a goal that wouldn't have done otherwise because I don't think the assistant referee was giving it. Um, and, you know, the referee immediately looked at his watch. There's no way he could give it. And, yeah, as you said, the timing was um, superb. It came at a great time. It was deserved. We didn't, you know, we didn't deserve to be behind in that game. And, um, you know, great for Bell to take the chance so well. And it was a calm finish. You know, let's not forget, he hasn't scored many for Luton. I think Barnsley away was his only other goal. He um, likes South Yorkshire, the boy, to be fair. Yeah. I've got him as first scorer for Rotherham already. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was great. And, you know, that that's what the technology is there for. And when you saw the replays, it was clearly over the line. So, you know, there was no, it wasn't as though it was close and we got away with one. It was well over. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and like you say, we were unfortunate to be behind because the bloke's shot, I mean, that's going nowhere near the goal and it just falls at the bloke, the bloke who scored its feet. Yeah. And I wouldn't say he couldn't miss, but it, the chance was an awful lot easier than it would have been um, otherwise. But then it, a really special moment, really, because I think everyone on this podcast really likes Reese Burke. And obviously yeah. we all kind of suffer his injuries with him because we all know how important he is to the team. Firstly, to see him on the substitute bench that day was a was a real nice surprise and a nice way to start 2023. And you just, you, as the game went on, Potts was starting to struggle a little bit. As it turned out, he came on for Doughty, not um, Potts. But you knew at some point he was coming into the fray and uh, another man with plenty of motivation behind him. And when that ball fell to his feet from James Bury, it's only one place it was going. 
Indeed. I mean, fantastic goal, wonderfully worked team move. And as I hinted at earlier in the podcast, the fact that Burke was the furthest man forward in that attack at the time, you know, your right centre-back pushing on. He loves to do that. He loves to attack. We know that. But you don't expect that with, what, seven, eight minutes to go away from home at 1-1. But it it was a great goal, thoroughly deserved. Um, you know, it was a cool finish. I mean, the number of times in commentary you say, oh, that's a centre-back's finish when it disappears into the back of the stand and, you know, you wish a striker had been there. But credit to Burke, he controls it, fires it across the keeper in a not dissimilar way to the Holmes goal um, in the first half. Um, but he just, he got himself in a great position. The defenders weren't expecting to have to be marking him. So he's he's gone on a great run. I mean, it's the sort of run that, you expect from those midfielders in the past that you push on, you, you Luke Berries, you Cameron McGeehan's from a few years back, you know, it's that mm. kind of run and he's the right centre-back doing it. Um, but, you know, fantastic, brilliant outcome for the day, thoroughly deserved the win. Um, and so pleased for Reese that after such a long time out injured, you know, to, to mark your return in that way. Um, and obviously he picked up the booking for taking his shirt off, but, uh, you know, he won't care about that. It, it was tremendous and a really good finish, you know, really good. And then we saw, was it Harry Kane did it in the Premier League the other day, didn't he? And or in a game and it was, it was basically the same strike and they're all raving about what a great finish, you know, that shows the quality of the striker. Well, you know, if Kane's doing it and they're raving about it, Reese Burke, take a bow some. Yeah, absolutely. Do take a bow and it's great to have him back and hopefully his injury nightmare is a thing of the past because he's a huge player for us. Both those goals, Simon, were team goals, as you mentioned, and they both came through the centre forward. The first one, Morris drops deep to play a one-two with Doughty, sends him away. Doughty rolls the ball into Bell. Happy days. I think Campbell did get a deflection on it because he actually got the assist given to him for that, didn't he? Even though I'm not sure he knew an awful lot about his particular role in getting it to Amari Bell. And then the second one, Cameron Jerome came deep to uh, get involved in that move and left the space for Burke to run into. It's really clever from our forwards. Yeah, really clever. It's it's great team movement. It, it really shows the ethos of what's being learned on the training ground and what they're preparing to do and to be aware of what's going on. Um, you know, and it, it does make a difference that you've got players that are knowing what other players on the pitch are going to be doing. And the fact that we've highlighted Reese Burt making a run, James Bree was down the wing. I think he pulled it back. You know, Campbell knew that there was somebody making, Bell was making the run. I mean, I think Adebayo was also in the centre, wasn't he? Sort of took it away from him in doing so. But the, the players have got that desire to be there. They want to get in that position and their teammates are knowing that they're likely to be there. So, you know, the forwards' involvement, okay, if they don't score a goal, Adebayo or Morris in a game, they've had an impact on other goals that have have given us the victory. Yeah, there is a clear intent of our strikers dropping a bit deeper. Even the first goal that we scored under Rob Edwards, uh, Morris was on the edge of the centre circle playing a 1-2 with Jordan Clark. It is a clear tactical switch. Uh, I'll leave James out for the Wigan game because uh, he was... um, well, he was serving the NHS with all of his medicines and things like that uh, at the weekend. Um, and I'll come to you, Tony. Um, support the strikes, everyone. Support the strikes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll come to you for this one, Tony. It's kind of... It was one of those... What I liked about the Wigan game was, obviously, it's another game that we fell behind in, came back in, didn't panic, uh, came back in. Good goal for Harry Cornick, uh, good goal for Harry Cornick, but also uh, a good team goal um, once again. And 
probably in the second half, I think we've done enough to win it. But anyone, any the wiser, what the hell the goal was disallowed for in the last minute? Was it it could have been for an offside or it could have been for a foul. The assistant referee is flagged as though it's offside. So I'm assuming the player in front of Horvath was the player he felt was interfering when the goal was scored. However, when you look at it, if he wasn't offside, he's clearly interfering with Horvath and pulling his shirt mm. and denying him from getting across. If he'd have left him and not got involved, I wonder whether the goal would have been disallowed. But the assist the assistance flag is clearly for an offside, not a foul, because of the way he puts it across the field rather than along the touchline to indicate a free kick. Um, mm. But it, it's got to be the player that is is affecting Horvath that has been deemed to be offside. But it, it's clearly a foul, and no two ways about it. I mean, Horvath runs away telling the referee his shirt's being pulled. So the right decision and the right outcome, what the decision was. Whether it's offside or it's a foul, it doesn't matter. They got the right answer in the end. I'll let you know if it was yeah. the right outcome at 9.45 on Tuesday night. Freezing you, our, um, you're expecting it to be over after 90 minutes, are you, Kev? I'm thinking with yes, that. Yes, because I will run on there and score a bloody winner myself. If Extra time and penalties are nailed on, I think. <laughs> We're spending enough time in Wigan next week without another half an hour and longer, uh, longer than that. Um but yeah, Cornick's first goal of the season, Tony. It's actually surprised me that it was first goal of the season because obviously we are halfway through it. Hopefully that starts a run of form from him. I, I hope so too. He was unlucky with the chance he had in, in the uh, earlier in the first half when he got clear and uh, he just put it, he, he couldn't curl it enough. But, um, you know, you, you could see Rob was, was trying different things with the team. We, we, it, we weren't, quite a hundred percent on it on the day we did enough to to win i think but uh it, unfortunately it's it's a, an extra game that we could do without you know I'm, I'm 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 more concerned about three points on the saturday rather than the replay next week but it it it's nice to see that we you know we've got options they all look like they're up for it. They want We just needed a bit more luck on Saturday. That's all. It is a game everyone could do without. Come on, lads, club your heads together. We'll play mm. winner takes all for the whole shebang next Saturday. No one wants to go out <laughs> next Tuesday night at bloody Wigan watch mm. game football. Yeah, I'm absolutely convinced of that. But hey ho, it is what it is. And if we win twice, well, it won't be necessarily too bad. There was a tactical um, thing in that second half, Dan, that was also pretty apparent. Amari Bell kept on for, kept on coming inside and sort of making an overload in midfield, didn't he? And Gabe Osho was passing it to him every single time. And Wigan were like, are you doing this? What's happening here? Because they let him do it all of the second half. And Corley Woodrow mm. was on the left wing. We had five across that middle. And we outnumbered them each and every single time passing through the lines. And that is yet again another in-game transitional thing that Edwards is implementing on this side. Yeah, I think it, it shows again. It backs up his credentials that he's he's become known for as a as a coach. You know, we, um, you wanted to see a little bit um, when 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 he come in. Um, obviously, Nathan had his way of doing things, as we've all outlined. Um, I think Rob sort of wanted to make little tweaks and show that he can be a little bit different. Um, certainly, shown he can be more front footed, and that's a classic example. Um, I do wonder whether it was identifying a weakness in Wigan's 
in Wigan's side. I, th- I think the right back was, I, mean, I thought I thought he was quite decent, but Luton clearly saw a weakness in him and decided to exploit that. And I'm all for that. I, th- I think it's brilliant um, analysis from our, our coaching side as well. The things I, th- I think if you've got to look at your opposition, you've got to do your homework on them and try and exploit your weaknesses. And we we did our damnness to do that. And that was that's a really good example of um, of how forward thinking they are as a as a coaching setup. I think. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because even under Nathan, they always sent a coach up onto that gantry thing. They've had to climb yeah. up all them bloody stairs down the side of the old executive boxes. Where if they fall off that ladder, they're kaput, and uh, so they mm. risk life and limb. And nothing happened under Jones, but now they go up no. there, and all of a sudden they feed their information down, and there's some sort of action about it, and it actually merits. Merits them going us over tip down that down that ladder coming down just for you know they're actually there's some input and it's actually having a, a, a an impact on the game. Yeah, I mean saying that, I'll, I'll just point out I'm, I'm really amazed health and safety haven't insisted on wearing well, a safety that. harness we'll, or something. We'll keep that hush. It's absolutely safe. There's a bounce castle <laughs> underneath and there's no problem with that. Yeah, well, no, hopefully no one from right. the AFL's listening. <laughs> no, we're but, yeah, um, absolutely right. We'll move on quite quickly on that one. You're absolutely yeah, right, moving on. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, clear yet again another clear indication that um, during games as well as before games we are tactically going to be much better one of the reasons for that James let's go on to our player focuses is a person that we've unlocked as a serious baller in my eyes in Alfie Doughty Doughty I don't know how his surname is but we soon soon will know what his surname is because it's going to get mentioned an awful lot because this kid can play whether he's in the midfield like he was at Norwich whether he's left wing back like is his genuine position or whether they say to hell with it, go on the right-hand side and have a crack there as well. He can play football. Yeah, he's everything that Luton uh, need in their in the way that they want to play in, in both under Jones and, and clearly under Edwards. His, his pace is fantastic. He's very direct. Um, you know, he can, he can hit him, as you saw with that, Fantastic goal of the season contender of his for a first goal, but he can also do the the, the main thing of when he's getting forward as well, and that's to um, you know get the balls into the box or, or pick out players in and around the edge of the box as he did with Carl Morris for that goal. So <clears throat> um, you know we waited a long time to see him, um, and it, he's everything that uh, Jones promised he would be, and let's hope he can. Um, you know, build on that under under Edwards. I think the fact that he can he can play, he, he's very versatile. He can play in those two particular positions that you said is is going to bode well, particularly when Luton have all their defenders back. It's an extra option in the field, um, and you know maybe the fact that he's been out for so long. Um, Actually, I was going to say he probably won't be as knackered as everyone else, but everyone's had a lovely five-week break and gone to Dubai, haven't they? So I think he'll be fine. But um, yeah, he's, he's he's really promising, and um, yeah, I uh, yeah, I just want to see see more of that just to continue in the same vein. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Tony, you have to be athletic to be in this side anyway, but particularly in the wing-back role, you know, you're up and down that line, left, right, and centre. Often you get one who's good defensive but not so good going forward, or you get them really good going forward, not so good defensive. Don't seem to have either weakness, though, Doughty. No, no. It, 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 it's taken him a little while to get going because of injuries. 
but he's showing he, he, he's got it. He, he, he's up and down. He, he's been instrumental in creating uh, a few goals for us, as well as actually scoring a screamer himself. Um, and I think he's only going to get better. But, you know, having a player like that who can go up and down, up and down and do it all game is great. But also the fact that, as, as James said, he's so versatile. He can play on the right, he can play on the left. He can play in midfield. It's fantastic. And, you know, he, he, he's starting to show what a great um, asset he is. He's, he's becoming with the club. You just, you almost wondered, Dan, why it took three months for him to be trusted in the side, don't you? I mean, it's like, it's like a new signing, really, halfway through the season. I think a lot of that's down to injury, to be honest. Um, mm. I'm pretty sure he came to Oh, no, he, yeah, he came to us fully fit, but he got injured in pre-season, didn't he? Um, but yeah, you're right. I, th- I think with the type of injury he had, I think they were sort of worried it would flare up again if you bring it in, if you bring him back in too soon. I think that's the case with a lot of injuries. Um, certainly some of the ones that have been flying around the squad this season and over the last few seasons, you bring a player back too early, you risk long term damage. Um, but looking at him now, you wouldn't have known there was ever anything wrong. He's, he's just fitted in superbly and. He adds a little bit more of an attacking dynamic to us as well. I think I think it'll suit this style of play that we've adapted under new management as well. And like the like the boys have said, he's only going to get better. He's only going to get better. And it, 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 you know, if he's if he's this good now, crikey! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know yeah. I mean? He's he's just phenomenal. He's exciting to watch as well. I mean, I, I watched him a bit more on Saturday and his movement off the ball is just as good as on the ball. Um, you know, he's he's confident on the ball as well and he's really quality with it. He's not scared to take people on, bring others into it, put a ball in. His crossing's really good. He can play the side. You know, if you're Bell or Bree, you should be watching your, watching your back song because he's, he's going he's gonna to nail down a permanent place in either of those sides sooner or later. You mentioned that he's perfect for our style. You kind of wonder what the hell he was doing dicking around at Stoke and Cardiff over the last couple of seasons because they don't play, <laughs> they don't play football like that. Turn in a different um, style, maybe. Yeah, no wonder he got injured at Cardiff. He'd had enough of that, right? I'm, I'm done for. Get me out of here. They play to him as well. Um, Set-piece right. taker as well, Simon. And uh, that could be important as well because if we seem to be liking in-swinging set-pieces and obviously Bree's right-footed, so he's got one side. We needed that left-footer for the other side. Cal Naismith was doing it a few times last season to good effect, wasn't he? So the fact that we've got a left footer who can take free kicks and corners from the wide areas with good quality going to serve as well. Yeah, indeed. Um, the fact that, you know, as you've just said there, he can play on both sides. He can take set pieces. It just gives us a, a freshen up. It gives us something different. You know, should there be an issue with Bree or there's a, you know, a different kind of set piece you want the left footer then. Yeah, it's been fantastic. And I think, you know, the fact that he's settled into the side, um, I think the other key thing to mention is we were interested in him when he was at Charlton, um, but were kind of priced out of the market, I think, with when he went to Stoke. So he's somebody that, you know, Nathan and the team and the scouts and the analysts and everybody had got their eye on a while back. So they knew what they were bringing in and wanted to bring in. Um, the fact it took us a little longer to be able to do that is, is probably benefited that now he's, you know, it's not had the the luck and the the, the game time elsewhere He's now settled into the team and he's showing what he's capable of doing. And he's almost proving that point himself, isn't he? That, you know, it's not worked out from elsewhere, but actually, you know what? I'm a damn good player and I'll show you what I can do. 
And, you know, he's a fantastic acquisition to have at the club, um, you know, because of the, the versatility, the sides, left, right, you know, in at the back, pushing forwards. Um, and it was just a shame, as Dan touched on, that he got injured in pre-season. I mean, I saw him, I think it was a, a hitching, wasn't it, he played uh, yeah. pre-season yeah. and then didn't really feature much after that. And then because at that point we'd got players that were performing well and were regularly playing, then he couldn't get into the side. Once that opportunity was there and he started to be able to get the opportunity to play regularly and unfortunately it was injuries or suspensions or whatever, you know, other players were missing out, he's taken that chance and he's shown that he's almost uh, a name that needs to be on the team sheet um, at the beginning now. So, you know, all credit to him. He's, he's bided his time, he's waited, he's been patient, but he certainly showed us what he can do once he's been given that opportunity. And the goal was thoroughly deserved at QPR and, you know, terrific strike. Um, but he made it look natural. That was the thing for me. You know, he was ready for it. The one-two with Morris, he was ready to hit that. Um, that wasn't just a, oh, it's fallen kindly for me. He knew exactly what he was wanting to do. So, yeah, no, great player and, um, you know, onwards and upwards. And, you know, now he's getting settled in, what is it, nine starts in the championship now since sort of coming in in October. Um, he's only missed one league game, actually. So, and he's come off the bench on one since since he came into the side. So, you know, he's he's there now as a, as a permanent fixture. Kind of coming to the right defensive unit, hasn't he? Because we've always got a defensive injury somewhere along the line. So we'll be able to fit in somewhere in shape or form. But if everyone is fit, James, where does he play? That's a tough one, really. Because uh, he's effect- he's been effective in both, isn't he? Um <laughs> If you put him in midfield, you've got to dislodge one of the three that have been performing so well so far. Um, can I pass? You can. Yeah, I'll be <laughs> kind to you. It's the first podcast of 2023. You can have that pass. Thank God that's Rob Edwards' decision yeah. and not any of ours. But hey, what a what a decision to have. James Bree, Amari Bell, Alfie Doughty. I mean, you almost can't get it wrong, can you? Two of the three and, and any combination. you've got something that can swap straight into one of those two roles. You know, or, or can be in that position with somebody as good or, you know, equally as capable in the back. And that's what we need from a squad, isn't it? You yeah. need to have that, that if you lose one play, you're suddenly not weakening the, the team because that position isn't covered. But it does mean somebody misses out on occasions and therefore, you know, they've all got to work hard to, to keep the shirt, which is great as well. Yeah. No wonder Amari's getting forward and uh, popping balls in the, in the bottom corner. It's the only way to stay in this side. Isn't it? <laughs> score a goal, you're in. Don't score a goal. Oh shit! I might not get a, get a game for a while. I suppose it's interesting with um, Doughty and Bell was that Jones was talking about Bell one day moving in to be left hand left left centre back, wasn't he? And that yeah. would free up Doughty. So maybe his expectation. Jones' expectation was that he'd be um, left wing back, um, but maybe what he's shown Edward so far gives him more, more, more options. I think the Dan Potts conundrums come into it because Potts wasn't getting a look in last season, really, was he? And then this, mm. and he, he's, I say, almost had to play, but he's been in a position where he's been needed early in the season. He's performed superbly, and he's kept that left centre back place, and mm. that's then given the headache of. Well, we brought Doughty in to play at left wing back because we thought Bell was going to be left centre back. But, you know, Potts played, what was it, nine, nine, ten games last season in the championship. Mm, and, mm. you know, he's he's on double that 
and more this season already. Yes. And for a player that was made of glass, he's come back. He's come back from a yeah. broken back, so he's doing so, right. Yeah, that's well, fantastic. Doing really well. I think, although the yeah. focus here is on Alfie Doughty, I think that the Dan Potts recovery and involvement this season has added to that squad dynamic that you've suddenly got extra players that you perhaps weren't expecting all that competition. He's a visionary, is Dan Potts. He saw what was coming. You've got to score to stay in this team. So he scored the first goal of the season. Can't be dropped now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the first goal of the season. And everyone remembers it. You know, away to Burnley. Happy, happy days. I'm not getting dropped no more. So, uh, yeah, really good um, selection problem for Rob Edwards to have. And, yeah, I think we're all glad it's his problem and not ours. Uh, James, he's going to get another one soon, I think, when everyone's fit. Because Louis Watson's taken a claim for himself. Now, he was a kind of a surprise sort of um, inclusion in the side at Huddersfield. Surprised because we were so good at QPR the game before with Pelly, Clark and Campbell. And as it turns out, Clark obviously had a knock and that's the reason why he got in. Um, but he knows a player as well. He, he does. And, you know, he was, considering there's a, a handful of players that got sent out on loan, um, and being effective or not very effective to varying degrees uh, out there. He was kept in the squad. Uh, and that just makes me wonder now with hindsight whether he was deemed slightly ahead of those players, particularly maybe Thorpe, who went out, obviously he's come back now. Um, because the, the thinking probably would have been there for me if he wasn't going to play any games, get him out on loan to, to do that. I guess on that front, he's played 13, 14 games in the championship for Derby, I think. So he's he's got more experience there than, say, Thorpe. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I didn't expect um, him to come in and, and, and play. And uh, all, all you really want from a young player is when they give, give him that opportunity is them to take it with both hands. And now the discussion is whether he's... A starter, isn't he? I think, you know, if Clark comes back, probably he won't be. Um, but that's not to say that he's not done his chances, the world of good by by playing the way he is. And, and everybody's talking about him. And that can only only be good for him. And, you know, Edwards was asked, asked about him as well. And he said he sees a bright future for him. So um, he's doing everything right. And if it's, if it is that he um, sort of comes out because of Jordan Clark, you can't really argue about that because of how well Clark's been playing and he's, he's a senior player. But um, to have him there and have him that experience and, and been playing so well will, will do him the world of good. And it's that sort of thing that you mentioned earlier, uh, where the players that have been been on the fringe of sort of coming come back in and you know. Woodrow scored that goal that doing the world of good. Cornet's now back on the score sheet. That's him doing the world of good. Now Luton have got another midfield option, which is needed. So, um, yeah, really, really positive stuff. And um, I hope he does get more more chances. Uh, he no doubt will. He no doubt will. So, um, yeah, it looks like a very promising young player that's on the cusp now. He's already made number one in your takeaways on your website as well. And anyone who gets that high so quickly, 
got to be a player, hasn't he? Uh, Tony, I look at him and I see a hell of a lot of Henry Lansbury in him in the way that he just loves the football at his feet and the way he uses it. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that, Kev. You, you must have read my mind there. It does it's remind the only me bit of, of your mind I can read, thankfully. Can he mow a lawn as well? That's an important question, isn't it? But no, he, he's very comfortable on the ball. Um, he's very cool-headed. He's always showing the ball. He always wants it. He's not frightened to take a player on. And uh, where he reminds me of Lansbury is that, yeah, he can beat a player, but he's got a good eye for a pass as well. Some of the balls he plays are are really good. And, you know, I I think Lansbury could almost be like a mentor for him once he's fit and and back in the side. But um, I'm very, very pleased for the lad. He, He looks bright. He looks good. And uh, I think we're developing some really good midfield options there as well. Yeah, we are. I mean, Danny's clearly trusted by his teammates because they're happy to give him the ball under pressure, knowing that he'll move it on straight away and we beat whatever press there is. And it's kind of, I mean, the kid's 21 years old. I mean, you know, he's every right to have sunk, really, when thrown in in what was a pretty big game at Huddersfield. I mean, let's let's not forget, we all wanted a bit of revenge after the playoffs. We wanted a nine-point Christmas, et cetera, et cetera. But he just he took to it like a duck to water. Yeah, I think I think he's been primed for that as well. Bit, it pissed it down that day, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just shows how versatile you can be if you can play well when it's pissing it down. You know, how could you going to be when it's dry? But I think he's been primed for that. Um, I was just reading up about when he signed. Um, it was certainly more of, it's another young player coming in to develop. Um, I think he expected to play a little bit more than he has done, but he's he's got his head down, worked really hard, and he's waited until the manager said, "Right, I need you. There's a space. You're, you're starting Saturday, and that's that's what you want when you when you're not playing regularly. You need people who are going to work hard and uh, continue to fight. I've seen him in a few development games, and I've come away each time thinking, Christ, he needs to play.'" You know, it, it can't be far off before he does play. It reminds me a little bit of Matthew Spring during his first spell um, with the sort of the way he is on the ball and his range of passing. There was a couple of balls he played on Saturday which were just outstanding against Wigan. He, he, he teed up Morris to assist the goal for Cornick uh, with a nice little weighted pass there. It was, it was just nice, timed and cute. Uh, and there was a long ball that he played in another part of the game and it just saw it out of nowhere. He, he likes to run up and down get involved and he looks a real bright prospect and a really good player off and on the ball just class brilliant and Simon he plays in a position that's going to grow increasingly important you suspect under the Rob Edwards sort of transition if we're playing through the lines he's the man that the defenders are going to give the ball to to get to the forward players uh, it's a responsible the responsibility in that position but even though he's so young, like I just said, he's given the ball in pressurised situations. It doesn't phase him. He'll either move it on or he'll use his body to get around the player. It just seems already so natural in that position. Yeah, I think, you know, although he's a young player, he's obviously had you know a dozen or so games, I think it was, at Derby. So he's had some experience. He's seen it. And I think he's he seems to be one of these players that just adapts to it and thrives on it. Um, he, he doesn't seem somebody that is is put off by being put into that occasion. It's, I think the thing is, things football change quite a lot over the years. And 
you know, a bit older than Dan who was saying he wasn't born in 85 when we'd done the double over um, QPR or whatever it was. But, it, you know, there, there used to be a thing where it was a risk putting a young player into a team. But, but it's far nowadays, it's far more, if, they, if they're good enough, then they're in. It, the age isn't much of an issue, but it's down to the character and the personality of the player. And if you have got the confidence in yourself to go out there at a young age and perform, which he clearly has, then it's not putting him off. It's not, you know, it's not disrupting his performance. It's not affecting his play. He just gets on with it. Um, and, you know, he's certainly in the couple of games I've seen, you know, been impressive in that position. As, and as you were saying in the, in the statement and the question, the fact that he's in that role that will link from the defence into the attacking mode his calmness on the ball and his eye for a pass is critical and you know he does offer that as different to um some of the other players that could be playing in those midfield positions he offers something fresh he offers something that you know longer term um you know he's 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 got his future ahead of him hasn't he as a career so yes he might have to be a bit patient this season and not get as many games as he wants but if he's showing behind the scenes what he's capable of doing and training well and having the right ethos and the right attitude, then quite clearly he'll get his chances, you know, whether it's more this season or whether we have to wait another year, then, you know, he's going to be the player there as it's, as we've seen from a couple of games, he's certainly got something to be um, looking forward to. And this is why I really think Rob Edwards is the ideal man to take over from Nathan Jones, because he's got a young squad behind the, the kind of first team, if you like, that he can just bring them all through. And if he's prepared to give them a start at this stage, then, you know, they're only going to improve at an even quicker rate than what they were doing. And uh, we're all going to benefit from that in the long run. And uh, yeah, it's great to see. And as I say, he reminds me so much of Lansbury. And if he goes on to be, you know, three quarters of the player that Henry Lansbury's Mm -hmm. been in his career, then he's going to have a decent career for himself. Um, I mentioned Lansbury there, James. Let's uh, have a quick look back at 2022. He provided, well, two or three great moments in 2022, uh, not least his goal at Hull and the celebration that followed it. But there were so many great moments in 2022. In fact, as a Luton fan, 2022 was a good year. It was a year where we, we were allowed to dream, weren't we? And we weren't just allowed to dream, but we were allowed to dream high. At one stage, the Premier League was not beyond us. You know, we went to Huddersfield in in a real 50-50 tie that, if we'd won that, who knows, we could be doing a Premier League podcast right now. It was fantastic <laughs> where we went in 2022. And, and and many of the moments that got us there will live in the memory. And, and I suspect you're all going to give me the same magic <laughs> moment. But, you know, what, what, what stood out in 2022? <clears throat> yeah, I, I dare say we are all going to say the same thing. Um, uh, and just to cut a long story short, it was... Cal Naismith's goal against Bournemouth. Um, in as much as the excitement of the whole passage of play and the uh, the result of it was, but also the sort of catalyst effect it had for the rest of that season and getting to the playoffs, um, which potentially, um, you, know, I, you know, I would have to look back on this with hindsight to really get the, the full flavour of it, but... I got the same feeling when Paulie Woodrow scored that goal against Norwich. It had the same vibe about it um, and, the, and the celebrations afterwards as well. Um, the, the one thing that puts the Naismith goal ahead for me is, well, two things really. It's the, it's the length of time it's had to live in the, in the, in the memory and, and, 
and the amount of times you've been able to see clips of it. But it was wave after wave of attack that had the Kenny rocking. And like, it was almost like the whole ground sucked the ball into the net when he, he did it. But the, the skill level from a, a central defender, I know he's been a midfielder and a winger and whatever else he's been in his career, whatever the clubs he's been. But just to take it down and have the calmness and the coolness to give that little feint and a sidestep and push it out of his feet to just curl it round into the into the bottom corner <clears throat> was incredible. And considering the team that they did it against as well and, and the, you know, it's a five-goal thriller and the late stage of it, it was, um, you know, that, that was the winner, uh, no question. The celebrations were incredible, but... The, the, the day was great, the goal was great, but the sort of implications for what it, it did for Luton, I think, um, were just as important. And I think and I hope, fingers crossed, touch with all that superstitious nonsense that we might be in that same position again. Yeah, I really agree with you. And I felt exactly the same about Paulie Woodrow's goal against Norwich. It just had exactly that same vibe. Backs against the wall, suddenly gone into adversity, having been in control of a game of football. The team that we've done it against just come down from the Premier League. I know Bournemouth, and, you know, it was well into the season by then. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. Uh, it was fantastic. Actually, Tony, it was everything that Football's all about as a fan, isn't it? You know, you, there's nothing better than a last-minute winner, or even more so when you've ballsed up a 2-0 lead and then go and get that last-minute winner. <laughs> it was. It was a great moment, um, you know. But And much as I enjoyed that, I'm going to go for a different eye, actually. Um, you know, it was good. That was a great moment, yeah, and I... Fully agree the vibes with Corley Woodrow's winner against Norwich as well. Uh, there was that other outstanding moment for me, the, the home win against Nottingham Forest as well, um, how that was played and the, 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 the sour grapes from Forest as well. But the one thing that summed it up for me, the one moment which actually clinched the playoff place for us uh, and sort of it, it, it epitomised the, the spirit of the club and the fun time and everything it was Harry Cornick's goal against Reddit. That, for me, was just, had everything. <laughs> uh, it was it was very clever of Harry. Uh, <laughs> it was a vital goal for us, and it was funny as fuck as well. <laughs> so, that, that, for me, is the high, the high point of 2022. The poor fella never played for Reading again after that either. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's, to be honest, we're, we're used to ending careers, aren't we? Usually it's managers, yeah. but on this occasion it was a goalkeeper. And I, I'm, I'm actually in agreement with you, Tony. That was my favourite moment, purely because whilst I loved the Naismith one and everything else, I enjoyed last season so much and yeah. I didn't want it to end. And I know it wouldn't have ended if Harry Cornick hadn't have scored, but we didn't know that at the time. And um, just to just to let that dream go on for another two games, it was just but yeah. It's, it was... It, especially Kevin's that game against Reading, it, it, it just seemed to be one of those games where you know um, open play and everything. It looked like we, we're never going to score here, and it was going to take something a bit special. And as I did, I did. You know, 
I, I was I was caught into emotion, celebrating and laughing my tits off as well. You know, it was just, it, well, it was he just was fantastic. as well, wasn't he? Let's be fair, he yeah. was laughing all the way to the corner, and he, apart from the great yeah. goalkeeper, he wasn't really. I mean, and 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 that for me summed up everything about being a Luton fan. And also, moment, it, was, you know. it was another kind of highlight of the character of this side because it had just been dicked five, uh, sorry, seven at Fulham five days earlier. So, um, mm. yeah, another great moment. Dan, either of those two yours or have you got another one for us? There were so many in 2022. It was a great year. There were loads. I was I was hoping I'd be the only one that didn't say Bournemouth. Um, so I, I wrote a couple down. I did write Bournemouth from Forest at home, uh, but I've gone for QPR home and away. This year, I can't pick between the two because the boat for, for different reasons as well. The, in the QPR game, had so many, so much riding on it at home. Um, you know, we won in revenge for last year and job done. Uh, well, that's <laughs> it. Let's have it right. The players were brilliant in both games. It, it was absolutely the media brilliant. department put that tweet out. Just bossed it. <laughs> it came, I, I tell you what, Dan, I, I I got sympathy with you on that as well because. You know, I enjoyed both those victories because when you look at it, for once in a game against them, they didn't have the rub of the green. They didn't have all the scabby luck that they normally get about us. You know, uh, and they they didn't have a referee that was totally on their side as well. You know, no. so that, that was another high as well. Yeah, and, you know, I mean... <laughs> Should have picked something from last season because there was so much to go, and unfortunately, the Coventry five 0 win wasn't in twenty twenty two. So mm. I can't pick that as a personal highlight for me for a lot of reasons you all know. Um, but yeah, just I think yeah, QPR are obviously a, a known rival of ours, so it was as far as I'm concerned, doing the double over them in in the same calendar year that that trumps it for me. I think it's just fantastic, um, and again, it's it, it's another step. Um, towards where we want to be, you know, in terms of being a force to be reckoned with, and you know, a club that's progressing constantly, we're constantly progressing, and that's just another another tick tick of the box there. I think doing a double over one of your bigger rivals, I think, and the way it was done as well, I thought we were absolutely superb in the home leg, absolutely superb. Cameron Jerome run like a man possessed for that third goal as well, and it should. It should he got gifted it, didn't he? I'm sure he got gifted it in the end. He did get it in the end, yeah. He wouldn't have left it if he hadn't kicked it, would he? I mean... Well, it, 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 the, the, the last touch was was his. It ricocheted off his knees, his goal, so... Um, I'm that, kind of glad was... they gave it as an own goal, though, because that tweet couldn't have happened otherwise, could it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, true, but... I mean that was that was funny. It's sort of that's, that's what karma can do to you, can't it? And Luton, I know all about karma and chucking it back at someone when they give it when they give it some to us. So it it was funny for all sorts of reasons. And then the away game at, at Loftus Road as well. Um, the Carlton Morris show without Alfie Dow is touch of class as well. It was just just perfect. I mean, what more can you ask for? Yeah, no, I I, <laughs> I like that as well. I've got to be honest. The yeah. weird thing about that away game. In another world, the two managers could have been in the opposite dugouts quite easily, and um, <laughs> I think we had the right end of the uh, right end of the bargain there. Because obviously, if Critchley hadn't been in two minds other for whether he'd have taken a job if Stephen Gerrard would take one, we, you know, we might have pulled the trigger in that direction. Thankfully, we didn't. Possibly. We've gone with yeah. Rob Edwards, and 
the rest is he's history. He's done all right, he? <laughs> yeah, he's not too bad, to be fair, the boy. Yeah, I don't know what it is about QPR. Whenever they play Luton, they die on their ass, don't they, straight afterwards. Didn't win a game after <laughs> they played us last season. Ain't won a game since they came down here. Uh, the first time round. If they play us on the first day of the season, put your mortgage on them getting relegated. I don't know what it is. <laughs> they cannot. They seemingly cannot play after they've played against us. Who knows? So I don't really care because, like you say, we don't particularly like them. Simon, you've been at all of the games bar one, but you watched that one on television as well. So you'll know, you'll have seen all of the memories as they happened. Which one's lodged in your mind? Yeah, so obviously the Bournemouth one you've mentioned, that that would have been up there. Um, I think the only disappointing thing for me is the way that um, Naismith then went off to Bristol City and said that he was going to work under the best manager in the championship and they'd be pushing for the playoffs and above and, you know, where that got them five points above relegation at the moment by the look yeah, of it. Yeah, but be fair, that manager had Bought retired because the old referee... Is, oh, no, he ain't retired, has he? That was a local... No, threatened to. yeah. So, you know, that, that you know, on the day, yeah, that was a remarkable game. That will always be a highlight, but now just slightly tinted because of what's happened since. Um, I think you've touched on the Woodrow goal. That's been more recent. I think the fact that we were down to 10 men um, against Norwich, you know, who uh, I think are a better side than Bournemouth as well, albeit they're not showing their potential necessarily all of this season. I think the 10 men, I think Woodrow's first goal 12 years after making his debut or whatever it was, um, you know, to me at the moment, that one, and that, and that's that's more current, that, that sticks um, as happening more recently. That was fantastic. Um, incredible Boxing Day. Yeah, not an ideal kickoff, but you know what? I didn't care after winning that and and taking the three points. And, and you know, both games were, were key because they, were, they came at critical elements in the season where if we only draw that game or had lost it to a late one and then hadn't got the momentum to then build the same as the Bournemouth one was last season. Um, you know, that came at a good time and we went on a good run after it. So they've got so much in common. Um, but for me, it's slightly more special, the Woodrow um, story and the fact we were down to 10 men to beat a side that, you know, were hot favourites to be going up from this league this season. Um, but that's not to say that there's not been, as you've all discussed already, um, great highlights um, this season and last season. And and I even got to see a pre-season friendly on my birthday, which I never thought would happen. So, you know, that that's a random one as Brilliant. well. So. Well, that's both of us, because uh, I also had a pre-season friendly on my birthday. So, uh, and that doesn't happen very often either. So, yeah, we, we ticked that particular box in 22 yeah. and uh, might be a while. Before we tick it again, uh, we'll edit this if Corley Woodrow goes for 25 million in uh, the January transfer window. Um, but I don't think any of us see that happening. Um, so, yeah, perfect, perfect, yeah perfectly, um, perfectly reasonable um, option there. Yeah, no, all great memories. Really, really good memories. As I said, my favourite one, probably the Reading one, just because the goal was an absolute hoot. And um, yeah, it just. We really were dreaming of the Premier League then, and it was a realistic dream. It wasn't a pipe dream or anything like that, much as it is a realistic dream as we record this today. Uh, that's it for the first part of the podcast. We're going to let Simon go ahead of part two. But we thank you for joining us to look back on, well, 2022 as a whole and, and the first part of the Rob Edwards um, story. Simon, we're looking forward to hearing your commentary um, in the coming games. I suspect you'll have an awful lot more listeners next Tuesday than you might have uh, on Saturday but uh, keep up the great work and uh, we'll catch up with you soon Si thanks a lot Kevin yeah, great to see you all guys and uh, great to be involved again cheers and for the cheers, rest of you who are listening 
don't go anywhere because in part two we will continue our blast from the past um section of the podcast we will have an in-depth look at the academy who are doing absolutely brilliant we'll discuss the january transfer window we'll look at the matches to come uh, over the next month or so and there was a power court update uh, on saturday in the program we will discuss that as well but for the first part of the podcast that's it uh, and the second part will be well exactly where you found the first one very shortly thanks for listening and we'll catch you soon